You're listening to Eye on the Ball with Steve Rivera. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. And with me on a Wednesday, Tom Callahan. Good afternoon, Tom. Welcome to the summer. It's here. It is here. Triple digits, and I would hazard a guess they're here to stay, Steve. Yes, yes. I think it's going to cool down to like a 97 later this week. I'm looking forward to the weekend. I saw that. I saw the double-digit forecast. I got excited. <laughs> yes, yes. Maybe there'll be a cool breeze or a warm breeze, like my song says every now and again, some breeze. A less a less warm breeze, maybe? A less warmer. <laughs> yes, it's it's like hair dryer. Just like a hair dryer. <laughs> I mean, an oven is an oven. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, would you want it to bake or you want it to broil? So. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm looking forward to today's show. Uh was up this morning. I'm thinking, you know, who haven't I had on the show yet? Uh, yet? And um, an old timer, kind of long timer. Uh, I said, Bob Bachrath. Let's see if I can find him. One of my previous guests, a, f- a fan favorite of mine, uh, Rock of the Rose, uh, gave me his number, got, gave him a call. He said, sure, I'll be on the show. He's in Nebraska right now. He's in Lincoln, Nebraska. I, I guess that's where his retirement is. Uh, he's been all over the map. He was here uh, as a top assistant to uh, Cedric Dempsey in the 80s, left here in the 90s, went to Texas Tech, went to Alabama. He was the head guy at Alabama, Texas Tech, uh, California. Uh, Prescott and Yavapai, and I think that's where he ended his career in terms of being an AD. So I want to talk back in the day stuff, 80s, 90s, and maybe even today in terms of how tough it is to be an AD given the circumstances of what we're going through right now with tons of people leaving, uh, losing money and decisions that have to be made. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you want to talk a little other sports first, Tom? Absolutely. I'm always up to talk anything. And and Steve, I actually wanted to throw this at you. Have you seen, and, and I'm going to preface this with, it's fake, but it's going around. Um, apparently, several people were fooled on Twitter by fake sports accounts of guys like Ian Rappaport reporting that Aaron Rodgers had retired, and the Packers confirmed it with a statement. Now, if anybody's seen this, it's false. Rodgers has not retired, although that doesn't take away kind of everything that's going on with the Green Bay Packers. But I just thought it was really interesting because, Steve, we're all on social media all the time. We're all, like, you know, trying to to be as plugged in and as quick as we can. Well, that's the thing is just because you're fast doesn't always mean you're right. No, no, no question. And that's the big pet peeve of being a journalist. Yeah, if you want to be fast, you better be right uh, or first if you, if you you want first. But it's funny. I was reading some of that stuff, and I was reading other things. And I was going to ask you this yesterday or maybe the day before, because you've dealt with big time athletes uh, from time to time. Uh, how big are their egos? Where let's say LeBron was with Cleveland, Irving was with Cleveland, decided wanted to go in his own way because he wanted more more me time. Me, me, I can be the star guy. Uh, Pippen was uh, his uh, Jordan's um, Batman to the Robin. Uh, some people can, their egos can handle it. Some people can't because they want their own attention. It happens all the time. I mean, we may have talked about this maybe with Shaq and Shaq and um, Kobe uh, and Kobe uh, guys like that. We've talked about it, too, but you've seen that. I mean, how how egos fracture a lot of things. Yes, absolutely, and uh, especially coming from the National Hockey League level, where I worked for five years seeing sometimes guys are okay 
sharing either responsibility but also the spotlight. Some guys deflect it and want no part of it just because that's who they are. But yeah, there are other guys out there who, let's just say, Steve, uh, you know, the the type of player who, uh, for a basketball reference, well, we lost, but I scored 40 points tonight, so I'm okay with that. Right, right, right. And those are the guys you do not want on your roster. Yes, 100%. And they happen, it happens all the time. Well, I shouldn't say it happens all the time. It happens a lot. I think more more than people might know, but I also want to say this too, having been around pro athletes, there are, I think, more nice guys than you realize because they're all people, you know, and, and a lot of them don't come from privileged backgrounds. Yeah, some of them do. They grow up as a son of an athlete, a daughter of an athlete, but not not a lot. And, and I think that we tend to forget they are people. They're playing a sport that, you know, we all look at and say, well, that's a game. But by the same token, there's a tremendous amount of pressure on them. And quite honestly, we just don't report the good stories as much. For whatever reason, we'd much rather kind of, you know, dive in the muck sometimes. No, no question. I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, when I was a kid going to do this as a profession, I thought, oh, great. I got to go to games, write about games, go home, do it again tomorrow, do it again tomorrow. Uh and then I and I started realizing some of the guys are jerks. You know, I've covered some big time events as a young kid, and I'm thinking I'm not a big fan of sports anymore. Uh, and then you see the the nice guys, you see the Steve Kerr's, the Sean Elliotts, uh, the Damon Sotomayor's, those guys that kind of bring you back. But uh, no question, there's a lot of jerks out there that make you wonder, you know, what the heck did I get myself into? Um, but they're probably more good guys than bad guys. Um, uh, so. And and some of them, just like real life, it you have to develop relationships before they learn to trust you and open up to you. Um, yeah, no question, no question. Um, I'm, we've got we got a couple minutes before we go to our to our break here. Um, so there's just a lot of things going on. I'm I'm really excited talking to Bob Backrath, uh with uh, with the uh, his career things like that. I just lost my place on ESPN. And oh, you know what? There's a, a lot of concern now with I guess three kids now going to the G League where they're going to pay a lot of money. Yeah. Um, um, see what happens there. And then today gave news or news came that it looks like they're going to get paid here for this next coming season or with their likeness. Which, yeah, I saw that that the NCAA group supported the player endorsement plan. Now, that doesn't mean anything is set in stone yet, but um, it'll, it'll help the kids who do decide to play college basketball. But, Steve, honestly, I'm not concerned with kids jumping to the G League, and I'll tell you why, is because I really don't think it's going to be bad in the long run for college basketball. I think it's actually going to be good because it's going to weed out far more of the one-and-dones. And guess what? That means you can build a team over a longer term, and I think that puts more butts in seats for a college athletics program. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with you. Uh, someone asked me, there's a student at U of A is doing a, a big essay or a term paper on this, and he asked me how it's, how it's going to feel. I, I said... Well, I think the college game is going to return to the college game where amateurism will be better. Uh, and let's if you're a college fan, guess what you go to cheer? You go to cheer the kids. I mean, the kids and the, and the school. The school, the school specifically, and the kids who are playing for that school. Um, and the stars are here for maybe a year, maybe two. Maybe you get to know them, maybe you don't. But it's the school that survives this whole thing, whether it be football, basketball, or whatever. And will survive them uh, long after they're gone. 
oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, universities have lasted that long um, for hundreds of years because of it, because they they support the the school, not the individuals. I think they just love the individuals when they when they do well, and see them do well as they move on. But there's no question the school is the is the beneficiary of the whole thing. You so, can always be a king if you bring a school a title. You can oh, always yeah. <laughs> always be a king. You'd never have to buy a beer in your life, at least in that town. Absolutely. Let's let's go to a quick break here and come back with Bob Bachrath. Is that possible? Let's Absolutely. That. Hey, welcome back to I and the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. A great guest today. I'm glad to have him on the show, Bob Bachrath. How are you, Bob? Good to hear from you. I'm great, Steve. How are you? Fine, thank you. I'm thinking, who haven't I had on the show from way back in the day? I've had Sad, <laughs> Rocky, some of the great coaches. I said, oh, let's talk to Bob. Let's see if I could find him. It's been a while. When was the last year you were here? Uh, you mean visiting or? Uh, no, no, as as, a, as an official AD. Oh, I don't know. It was been a long time ago. I suppose back about uh, 1990. 1990? I, I thought there. it was maybe 92, 93, but maybe, yeah. No, 92, 93, I was at Berkeley at that time. Berkeley. Th- that's yeah. where you let, went to after you were at U of A, is that correct? Yes, right. Mm-hmm. And then you went to Texas Tech? Correct. And then to Emma? Alabama. Yeah. Alabama, okay. So let's go back to the mid-80s and 90s. You were the guy that was like the right-hand man to Cedric. How were those times for you? They were great. I, I, uh, I look back on those times as being uh, probably the, uh, the best uh, professional part of my career, actually. Um, and we had said as a leader, and we had a great team of guys at uh, and Mary Roby, of course, that uh, worked together there, and they uh, everybody kind of uh, was rowing the boat in the same direction. That nobody was uh, kind of looking over their shoulder or anything. Everybody had a job to do, and they did it. And they did it very well, I think, and um, it was it was a great pleasure uh, at that time. No question. In fact, I've said this before. I've had Cedric on the show a couple times, in fact, in studio with Rocky. And, and I say this out of a lot of respect for, for you guys back then, um, that that was kind of like the start of the, the huge dynasty of UA athletics. Uh, you had you had uh, Dick Tomey in, on board, kind of starting what he was starting. Obviously, uh, uh Coach Olson doing what he was doing in the late 80s, starting for the first Final Four. Uh, softball was emerging as a great sport. Did you feel that that was something that was starting the greatness of UA athletics? Well, not at the time, because that's what we were supposed to do. But uh, as you reflect on it and look back on it, uh, you could probably say that uh, that, that was uh, really a, a turning point and a, and a great part of the era there that uh, – started things going in the right direction and, and of course guys like Lute and Jerry Kendall and and uh, all those guys Mike Candre is still there I, I don't know if guys ageless he keeps going and going and going but uh, <laughs> right. the uh, you know there the, the, that was a really strong period there in U of A athletics that um, uh, truthfully I wish it would get back to. <laughs> Yeah, no question. In fact, I was going to ask you that. You've been out for a while now in terms of being uh, an AD. Uh, these are crazy times. Not that you'd want to be back in them, but tell me about the times now where, look, at we, people are losing crazy amounts of money in programs that uh, don't have money to begin with. Well, uh, they are, but by the same token, they're making crazy amount of money, too. Uh, they have over the years, uh, with all the television contracts and things. And I think that's been one of the things that's been uh, 
harmful in intercollegiate athletics because people don't have to make hard decisions. There's always money there to buy or do whatever they want to do. And, um, and I think that's kind of lulled them into a period of time here where we've got a real problem ahead of us, at least this next year, it looks like. Uh, and now they're trying to scramble to figure out what to do about it. I'm glad I'm not in it. I don't have any answers for what they're going to have to face. Yeah, no question, no question. And with the uh, so, what did you th- make of the today's announcement or the re- recent announcements that kids are going to start to be able to be paid because of their likeness and things like that? We're going in the I right think direction. It's a long, long time coming. Should have been happened long time ago. Uh, I tell you, Steve, it, it, that's always kind of uh, bothered me how we can spend money for uh, coaches, millions of dollars for head coaches, and a million dollars for assistant coaches, and millions of dollars for athletics directors, and we can build all these facilities, and then we throw a few crumbs at the athletes to kind of kind of take care of them, like you know, allowing them to pay for families to go to bowl games and a few things like that, which I think is always um, it's always kind of troubled me it didn't initially i i bought into the idea of amateurism and all that kind of thing but i always uh after um being in it for a little bit it seemed to me like we were taking advantage of kids and and uh so i'm glad to see uh i'm glad to see that happen you know it's, it's interesting to me that over all these years and and uh you know we're talking about when i was there that's 35 years ago or 40 that's a long time but over all these years we've talked about how you we have to maintain amateurism and we have to have the spirit of uh, amateurism there and we can't pay people and we can't do this and we can't do that, but we can sure pay for all these other kinds of things. And yet when California started off and, and created that law, said that we're going to do this, all of a sudden within a few months or a year maybe now that uh, they all of a sudden figured out, well, maybe we can do this. Uh, so it kind of forced them into a position I think they should have been working on a long time ago. So it'll be interesting how it plays out. they got some um, some things that have to be taken care of. But, you know, there are a lot of smart people in the NCAA. And I think if you get those smart people together and say, look, this is what we got to do, they'll figure out a way to get it done and get it done in a, in a, in a good way. So I'm, I'm glad to see it happening. And I think it's, uh, like I say, I think it's long overdue. Said I thing, don't agree on that necessarily, but <laughs> that's 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 what I think. The one thing, the one thing that um, that I think that might be trouble, and I'm not sure how it would be trouble, that if you have a running back who's you know rushing for 2,000 yards, he's an obvious choice. You want him to represent you. You want him to do ads for you or whatever. What about the center that opens those holes for that running back? One and two, the the girls or the women who who play volleyball or play basketball and are are very good at what they do and don't get the same attention. Well, they're they're clearly at a disadvantage, but uh, you know that's. That's the marketplace. That's the world we live in. That's why we pay uh, Nick Saban $8 million a year, and we pay somebody else $1 million a year to do the same thing. It's just uh, it doesn't uh, – things aren't equal in, in athletics. We can say that they are, and we can think that they are, but, but they really aren't. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the country club sports are going to have a hard time. Uh, there's no question about it. But by the same token, that kid that comes out of the um, – uh, inner city or someplace and, and is kind of working his way through there and he's never had a family, he's never been to college or anything, and he's really good and so forth. Uh, why should he be held to the same standards that the kid that came out of the country club era or school or whatever the case might be? Uh, why should that be that way? It, it doesn't make any sense to me. 
Right, right. No, I get it. And the logic sounds about right. When did you first arrive here? Uh, Mid-80s, early 80s? Oh, gosh. Uh, actually, I, I arrived there back in, in uh, 1970. Oh, because, because you were with Cedric and, and Coach Larson. Well, Is that right? Well, I, w- I was with Jim Young as an assistant football coach. Okay, and okay. I'm talking about more. Oh, you're talking about the beginning, beginning. I'm talking about the AD. But we can also go back to that time. What about an AD? Oh, when I was AD, that's like like 1978 or nine, I think it was. So you you saw you saw a lot of the highs and lows, especially with Tony Mason in that trouble time. No, 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 no. I came in behind Tony Mason. Oh, so 79, right, right 80. Yeah, uh, I came okay. in right behind Tony Mason. Yeah, we never. Yeah, yeah. So that. then. The coach, the coach. Some of the great times uh, in that time, uh, Smith. Those huge wins that they had. Uh, just right. maybe describe some of those feelings as a, as one of the bosses and watching that happen. Well, I me, mean, I was like everybody else. I was thrilled for it. Larry Smith was a great friend of mine. We coached together actually uh, at the beginning there when we first came to Arizona's football coaches and. And uh, he was a great friend of mine, and I, and I admired him. And I think I was just caught up in it like everybody else was. And, and Guy was an incredible, uh, focused guy. He could uh, he could really bring the best out in a person. And, and I think he made some players who were average much better than average to be able to pull off some of those upsets he, that he did. Right, right. Uh, were you in, in privy to some of his speeches to the kids that got him riled up? No, no, no. I stayed out of the locker room. <laughs> no, that was not <laughs> that was not my business in there. So I stayed out of there. I would assume that that was pretty good because uh, in, in in talking to some of his players and his his wife, uh, he was very passionate about playing uh, playing football and getting those guys ready. Oh, he was at all of that for sure. He was an extremely passionate guy, and and uh, he was able to uh, transmit that passion uh, to his players. There's no question about it. Talk to Ricky Huntley sometime. Get him on. Uh, maybe you already have, but yes. Ricky will share with you some stories. And, and, uh, and you know, th- those two guys, uh, they matched up pretty well. Yeah, no, I've had him on the show a couple of times. He's, he's very good, along with his brothers as well. Um, so when, when you were here in the early 80s, and then they, you had the, 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 the horrible basketball season in, uh, before Loot showed up, and then Loot shows up, what were you guys thinking? This could very well be a good deal. Well, uh, yeah, we thought it was going to be a good deal. And, uh, you know, that was, that was Cedric pulling his magic because uh, I don't think there was anybody who thought that he could uh, – he could uh, uh, talk loot into coming from Iowa back uh, back there. In fact, there's a funny story. Um, um, Gene Bartow, do you remember that guy? Yes, name? yes, I do remember the name. Yeah. Well, Gene Bartow was on campus when loot was back in, or I mean, when Cedric back in Iowa uh, trying to recruit loot. And I didn't know he was back there, but I was on campus and I was entertaining um, uh, Gene Bartow and his wife, uh, Becky, my wife. We entertained them, trying to show them, because we were trying to recruit Bartow to come to Arizona as the head coach. Well, I get this call about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's from Sid, and he says, Bob, he says, um, I've got my coach. And I said, you do? <laughs> and he says, it's it's Boot uh, uh, Olson. And so anyway, I won't bother you with all the other stuff, but he says, I'm, I'll be bringing him in tomorrow. 
And uh, so I said, okay. So I had to go tell Gene Bartow that uh, he was no longer in the running. And what a terrific guy he was. He was the most professional person. He says, he said, I understand. He said, I know how this business works. He says, and at that time, he was uh, head coach at the uh, University of Alabama, uh, Alabama at Birmingham, UAB. And he says, uh, the only thing I ask is, is, can you get me out of town quietly before uh, Luke right. and said, get here? And I called, um, I can't remember his name now, uh, it was the head of um, uh, uh, Budweiser. Bon P- oh. No, Budweiser Beer, the, the beer distributor there. Okay. And great, A great supporter. And anyway, he had a plane. He says, I... He said, I can fly him from Tucson to Albuquerque, and then from Albuquerque, he's got to get back. And he did. He took him back then that afternoon or that evening, flew him to Albuquerque and got him out of there. But it was an interesting thing because I didn't know anything about Dude Olson. And and uh, I was trying to really impress Gene Bartow on the, on the why he should come to the U of A and become part of our program and stuff. So, but anyway, worked right. out. No, I had heard that. I had heard that in case Lute was going to say no, they had Gene Bartow um, uh, on the sideline ready to go. <laughs> it wasn't quite like that, but, but near to, nearly like that. Nearly like <laughs> that, people, yes, yes. I didn't even think you were like the westward the look or somewhere. We didn't, know, we, we didn't know who the team was at that time, so. Oh. That's true. That's true because they were so bad. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and go come back and talk more about the good old days. Is that cool, Bob? Yeah, good. Okay, great. Let's take a quick break here, Tom, and come back. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. In with me, special guest, Bob Bockrath, uh, formerly of the U of A uh, athletic long department from ago. the mid-80s. Long time ago, through the 90s, early 90s. Uh, it's funny, I posted that you were going to be on the show today, and uh, I don't know if we're Facebook friends, but I found you on Facebook, and one of the students, I think, said, Baki used to be the guy who told you no all the time. He was the no guy. <laughs> do you remember that? You're laughing, because you do yeah, remember I do, that. I do, I do. I had, I had that reputation, and, uh, and it was deserved. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, everybody has to have a you know a good guy, good cop, bad cop, and you must have been the bad cop. Well, I guess I was. Uh, Cedric didn't like to do that very much, and uh, and I didn't particularly take pleasure in it. But uh, you know, sometimes you have to say no on some things, and and uh, uh, I, I guess I must have done it enough times that I got that uh, <laughs> reputation uh, from things, but. Uh, <laughs> But we had a great crew. Uh, you know, we had John Perrin. You, I don't know if you've ever had him on, but I tell you what, John Perrin was as good as there as there was uh, in his role. And you know, the numbers guy, like Butch, the numbers guy, Butch Henry and and Tom Duddleson and and uh, Dick Barch and those guys. Everybody had a job to do, and they did their job, and they didn't try to interfere with anybody else. Um, you know, it was a great group of people to work with. Really was. And, uh, yeah, no question. I had I had a Butch Henry last week. Uh, yeah. he called in from Alabama. Obviously, he's in Alabama. I've had yeah. Dud on. I've had all these guys on. I haven't had Perrin, but that's a good. He's he's from my neck of the woods in New Mexico, so yeah, I should right. have him on. Yeah, the good old boy. The good old boy. He has yeah, that twang. <laughs> he is so, indeed. Yeah. So you you when Luke came, it took a couple years, two three years, and all of a sudden Tucson turned into a basketball town. Could you imagine that? Well, uh, no, not really at the beginning. I mean, it, it, it clearly it was going to be uh, pretty popular because he he won and uh, uh, and then he was able to sustain those wins uh, year after year. 
uh, and he had some great players and some great personalities like Steve Kerr and those other guys. And uh, they, they just, you know, they uh, blended well with the community. And uh, Luke did a great job of, uh, of uh, getting himself involved with the community. And uh, probably in some things he probably wished he hadn't, like the restaurant. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was just, it was, uh, was kind of fun and unique to see it all kind of come together. Yeah, no question. And, and it got him to the first Final Four uh, and number one rankings for the first time in forever. Uh, so, you know, Tucson became, and it, it was kind of still is a basketball town from all that success. No question yeah. about that. What about what about football? Football is still trying to find its footing, don't you think? Yeah, I, I do. I, and I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of I have my own personal feelings about why it might be where it is. Uh, and I don't necessarily want to share those because they, uh, they're, they're about individuals that, uh, but anyway, um, it's kind of uh, disheartening and sad to see it fall down the way it has. Um, you know, Larry and Dick got it going really good and, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's going a downward slope and, and I'm not sure, you know, what the problem is. Um, you know, I must be recruiting or something, but, um, uh, it's, uh, disappointing, very disappointing. Yeah, no, it is. I've covered it. I've been here for 30-some years now, and it's it's just a slippery slope going in the wrong direction. Uh, and it's yeah. it's one of those things that I think Tucsonans and University of Arizona, and this is, this is just an editorial by me, uh, it's not USC, it's not UCLA, it's not Washington, it's not Stanford. So it's got to be somewhere in that pecking order just below that, and it just hasn't been able to find that spot. Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, uh, why do some of the other schools, how do they find a spot like Washington State? I mean, yeah. Yeah. give me a break. You ever been up there? I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I've been there too many times. Yeah, well, I was there a few times myself. That's why I'm saying that. <laughs> look <laughs> I get for it. a way out. <laughs> yes, no. I mean, and, and the way out there. is that, then that way out is that road from from Spokane to, to Pullman. Yeah. Well, and then you got um, uh, Oregon. Back in those days, they were they were they were good, but they weren't like they are. And uh, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the what the issues are there because I'm I'm not familiar with what's going on. But uh, it's just uh, it's not um, it's not good, and it's really disheartening to see it. Right, right, right. What about uh, you left by this time, by the time I think that Arizona had won their first softball tournament, won their first softball championship, 91-92. Candrea has been, he is Mr. Softball. Yeah, he he just keeps going and going. He's just like the Energizer Bunny, but he just keeps going and going. But uh, guy's a great coach. There's no question about it. He recruits uh, incredible athletes. He has good staff that works with him. And, uh, uh, you know, Stacy Iveson, I I hired her uh, at um, Yavapai College when my my last job that I had before I retired. And, uh, boy, she comes in there and she wins uh, two national championships. And she's like a runner-up and and, – in, in one other one, and so I mean, she, they, he has incredible people working for him, and he's a undoubtedly a great leader, and um, he, he's he, he's an interesting guy uh, uh, because when he got hired, I don't think anybody had any great aspirations to be what what U of A is now, but uh, he clearly was able to make it uh, grow to be that. 
Right, right. You've been all over the country, West Coast, East Coast, Alabama, in the heart of the, the, the South, with Texas Tech in the heart of the Southwest, I should say. Um, do, everyone talks about the SEC having so much money and being able to kind of run over the other teams. Is, is that really true? Can that happen? Well, they have a lot of money. There's no question about it. So they can do about what they want. Uh, you know, their television package, I think, is uh, they're split to each school this year. I think it's going to be up around $50 million per school um, just for TV. That doesn't even count the people who buy the tickets to go to the games or pay the seat premiums and all the other kind of things. So clearly, uh, financially, they have the capability to do what they want. But you know, they can only have so many football players on their team, and they can only have so many basketball players. And if you note, their basketball teams aren't very good, except for uh, Kentucky, maybe. But uh, mm-hmm. So it, I don't know that money is always the answer, but, uh, you know, they have a great reputation, and they build on it, and they spend a lot of money promoting themselves. And, uh, and um, you know, it, I, they're a little bit different from – well, you know, the U of A in the, in the PAC uh, – Pac-12 now, I guess it is. Uh, they um, the the problem I see is that you're playing on the West Coast and you don't have any big TV contracts. Right. What, do you, mm-hmm. what do you have that uh, Pac-12 network that nobody can see, and, and so <laughs> right. you know you're kind of hidden from from the rest of the world. So I, you know I don't know, but um, the SEC surely has a, a a leg up on everybody right now. Although I think the Big Ten's coming on pretty strong here. Right. I guess now we'll see because of so many schools being hit financially. We'll see who kind of survives this because I know Arizona's in a lurch, millions of dollars down because of the COVID. We'll see how that happens. Yeah, well, everybody's that way. I see where Texas Tech is uh, trimming $6.7 million off of their budget for next year uh, because of um, reduced income and stuff. But mm-hmm. they still got a lot. They can still trim $6.7 million off and you still got a lot of millions left. So yes, uh, yes, yeah. Well, you would know you're in AD. Let, let me ask you. Let's go back to when you first arrived here in the late early seventies. Um, I was Bruce uh, still the coach because uh, I know that Cedric was an assistant for him back in the day for uh, basketball. For for who? For Cedric was a, an assistant for Bruce Larson. Oh yeah, yeah he was, but that was that was before me. I, before I you, okay. That time. Yeah, and, and you when had just came, arrived. You had I just arrived there, before McHale. Snowden was a basketball coach. Yeah, but, but you had arrived just before McHale had been built. I think is that right? It was being built when we arrived. Yeah, it was mm-hmm, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were there for the first or the last year of uh, Bear Down Gym, and then they moved to McHale Center. How, how was how was that? How how kind of craziness was that? Bringing the new stadium for like that uh, for basketball? You mean for, for basketball? Yes. Well, I guess it was good, but I was to tell you the truth. I was a football coach, and I really didn't give. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my focus was on that ball that's got points on it, not the one that's round. And so it was good to have that to recruit to and stuff. But uh, you know, I I really had no vision at that time to ever be an athletics director or anything. And so I. I guess I didn't see the big program. I was focused on football because that's what I was, a football coach, and and, uh, and I didn't see much <laughs> beyond that, regrettably, but that's the way it really was. What what prompted you to become an, an AD? Well, uh, well uh, it... Um, uh, 
when Jim Young one time told me, he said, I think I'm going to uh, give up coaching. It was just after we got beat by Arizona State, and we're going back on the bus, and we're sitting together, and he says, he says, you know, I think sometime I'm going to just quit and just go uh, read books or buy a bookstore or something like that. And I, all I ever wanted to do was coach for him. And so when he said that, I thought to myself, you know, I, I need to rethink about my career here a little bit because uh, – I didn't. I hadn't made a lot of contacts with other people and things like that. I just was wanting to coach for him, and as long as he coached, I was going to coach with him and for him and so forth. And so uh, then we go to Purdue, and and things were pretty good there and everything. And uh, but uh, I had kind of kept my eye out uh, to get into administration because I frankly I was pretty good at it. And um, Dave Strack, who was the athletics director at mm-hmm. the time. Uh, he called me and he said, Baki, I got a job uh, that's opened up here. He said, would you be interested in coming back here and being a uh, assistant AD? And I said, uh, I got to think about this for a little bit. So I, I thought about it and I had, had a little medical issue going on at that time. And, uh, but anyway, uh, he held the job for me and I, I decided to make a career change and get out of coaching and into administration where I'd kind of maybe chart my own course instead of having to uh, be, uh, tagging along with somebody else, so so that's what I did. And the rest is history. Um, you yeah. left to Cal. Do you did uh, well? Let's go back and say. So, what were the, some of the couple of best times for you here in Tucson as, as an AD? Uh, assistant AD, you mean in Tucson? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't. I, it's hard to put my finger on anything. I think uh, when we built the. Um, skyboxes at the stadium that was a pretty significant uh, thing that uh, i was involved pretty heavily in and and i took a lot of pride in that and uh, you know i don't know I, I i i probably couldn't put a finger on probably any one special thing uh like i say we we all kind of kind of worked at what we had to do and and uh and um you know we we just we just did our jobs and tried to do them real good and and uh we had really good people doing them and but I, you know, I couldn't really put my finger on any one particular thing that was uh, that significant. I don't think. Wow, wow, you're you're uh, soft shoeing it a little bit. You're being a little humble for that. I know you've done a great job here, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> thank you very much, uh, Mister No, Mister No, <laughs> Doctor No, Doctor No. Even even better, you don't want to mess with a doctor. Bob, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Enjoy Lincoln. That's your home for good, right? Well, I guess it is. I thought Prescott, Arizona was going to be my home until my wife and my daughter uh, outvoted me two to one. So here we are in Lincoln. <laughs> they so. usually do. They usually. Yeah. Bob, thank you very much. Be well. Okay. Enjoy thank yourself. You. Stay safe. Pre- say, thank you very much. That was Bob Bachrath, former assistant AD here at U of A. Let's take a quick break here on 1030 The Voice. Hey, welcome back to Why in the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. Back with me is Tom Callahan. That was fun. Going back in the good old days. Always. Some great stories in there, Steve. I like that Dr. No. <laughs> the Dr. No. You know, uh, you don't have any kids, right? You don't have any kids? I do not. So you, there's a good cop and bad cop. Mom, tell mom. She's no. Tell your dad. No. Yeah. Okay. You eventually get what you want after you go to both and they're playing against each other. Well, there's a good cop and a bad cop. Just how it is. I mean, I used to do that as a kid. I used to, you know, if one said no, yes, the other one. <laughs> Yes. See if you can find yes. a favorable outcome. Sometimes they're oh, both the bad cop. 
<laughs> All you wanted is one yes. One yes would make it work. That's right. No question. No question. In fact, I wanted to ask him about this. I don't know if he would have remembered, but and I don't remember the guy's name. He's a former player. Back in 1989-ish, I was covering football, maybe 90, uh, one of the football players, obviously a good-looking dude, he opposed for Playgirl. And uh, it was, you know, back then, you know, kids do the Pac-12, Pac-12, whatever it is, and he posted for Playgirl, and I'm thinking, oh, i got to do a story. And uh, I went to him because he was like the enforcer, and I'm thinking, well, Steve, you know, those kids today, they could do whatever they want, and that's what they did. I don't remember if he got paid for that, though, because of uh, – his uh, student-athlete stuff. But uh, that was one of the bigger stories back in the late 80s. We've come a long way, Tom. Yeah, we really have. I don't... (laughs) Nobody reads anymore anyway, Steve, so it's not like (laughs) magazines are a thing anyway. Everything's online, but yeah. Long, long way. But as we were talking about at the top of the show, we may see athletes uh, getting compensated at least a a little bit. I mean, not full-on, but possibly... Yeah, no question, and and it was I was a little bit surprised that he said that he was uh, he was uh, it was a lot, long time in coming. I'm still of the belief that they shouldn't get paid, I, I, and I do that because maybe I'm too old school. Although I'm not that old, um, that they shouldn't get paid uh, because they get a full ride, they get a lot of perks being that student athlete, especially if you're a star. And if you're a really good star, you're going to make tons of money beyond that. If at the very least, if you leave, you should give some back to help with the program. I, think, I firmly believe that. I think, Steve, part of it, too, is with some of these kids, um, you know, the, especially the ones that come from the underprivileged backgrounds uh, or, or the, the poor neighborhoods or a poor family or whatever, uh, if you have that meal ticket potential, I think there's an awful lot of pressure on that kid to get out of school and go pro and support, you know, the family unit and, and whatever. Um, you know, there, there is a lot of that there. And so, you know, in, in those particular cases, not every case, but in those particular cases, I, I would almost say the, the educational benefit and or value isn't really what they glean from going to college because they know they're not going to be a four-year student. They're trying to get out to whatever the professional league is to make some money and support a family. Now, I know that's not the majority case, but I am saying in certain cases. So, uh, you know, would paying those players ease that in any way? I have no idea, but there's got to be a way to maybe study what impact it might have on those particular situations because what's our goal keep them in school longer get them a four-year degree have them be a student athlete longer or you know what what is your end goal with the student athlete yeah no i don't disagree with you it's a great point um come in get some get some experience get get a job once you leave at the end of the day that's probably what college is all about isn't it maybe doing a little growing up I, I think I learned more at college from any of my internships and work experiences than really? I did from anything in class. Really? Well, well yes. I think you uh, – say that again. I learned more while I was a college student from yeah. my internships and work experiences oh. 
than I yeah. ever did sitting in a classroom. Without question, I was going to go there. That's exactly what, yeah, you learn by doing. At school, you kind of go to the biblioteca and learn Spanish. You know, you want to learn Spanish? There's only one way to really learn it. Get lost in Mexico and have to come back to the United States. <laughs> and that'll teach you real quick. That'll teach you real quick. You won't be drinking cervezas. You'll be coming back. I need my home, my casa. So you know what I'm saying. It's a, you, you have to live it. You have to love it. You have to continue to do it. Uh, no question, internships, uh, practice, practice, practice. Practice, as they say, uh, yeah, school is you kind of just paying to sit in the classroom and hang out with other people and not get sick. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the world we live in now, isn't it? Right, 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 right. Um, hey, I, we talked about this a little yesterday about the teams coming back. I still believe that uh, baseball is going to come back. It looks like it's going to come back more and more. I was talking to Mike Fader, and he's going to sh- show up on the show tomorrow. Um, talk about baseball possibly coming back, uh, what, in July? Play a shortened schedule, obviously, and, and maybe get into the playoffs uh, in September. And that would keep baseball on a reasonable timeline. Baseball has the ability because 162 games is a lot. They have the ability to cut the season in half and still make it seem like a long season. That can still be played over two and a half months with some off days. I mean, that's it, it's crazy to think that way, but Baseball is a long, long season, and they could really fill a a void if they're able to come back and play. When was the last time they did doubleheaders, like regularly did doubleheaders? It's been a while, right? Yeah. Normally now they're to make up rainouts. You don't ever see a doubleheader where you can pay one price and see two games. Now it's – and a lot of times clubs, because they're greedy, do a day-night doubleheader, Steve, where one game's at 1 o'clock, one game's at 7 o'clock, and you have to exit and re-enter the building with a separate ticket. Mm-hmm. Well, there could be some doubleheaders in there, some free doubleheaders uh, in the coming months, if they allow people to go watch. But I, I doubt that happens, at least not early. No, I, I can't see that happening. And, you know, I can't see them resuming without widespread testing available. Honestly, that's really what it's going to come down to, is your ability to find and isolate anyone who does happen to come down with the virus. And I hope nobody does but I don't know if that's realistic either. No, no. And we're still too early in the game to know what's going to happen down the road. Uh, we just hope it's getting better, uh, that things are going to start to open up at some point. I saw your or heard your, your intro to the show to begin with, how Ducey uh, extended it to the May 15th. Uh, and we'll see beyond that. It could happen even longer than that. Uh, although other places around the country are slowly opening little by little. I guess he's going to do it little by little as well. Yeah, which, I mean, everybody seems to be. That's what makes sense. And I think uh, we talked about Korea's Baseball League coming back. They're going to start May 5th. Um, and I think that that, so Taiwan is playing. Korea comes back in a week. I think that those leagues are going to lead the way to show. But those are also two places, Steve, where cases have been very, very low. Um, they've widespread uh, testing for the virus so they're ahead of the united states on so many levels and let's face it they're just smaller i mean the united states is massive there's so many people here it's it's tough to get that all under wraps yeah so we'll see uh guys getting paid a lot more than me or have a lot of work to do here 
and figuring out what they're going to do. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then basketball, of course, we're hoping for the NBA. I'm not so sure that's going to happen, although, what, we have about two weeks before they come back to practice, maybe, possibly, uh, come back uh, the 8th-ish or whatever. They pushed it back another week. Yeah, it's uh, at least, Steve, another week that it was pushed back, uh, and it could be longer because now all those dates are malleable. I mean, I think that's what we're seeing here, and even that's the discussion here. Speaking of the state of Arizona, uh, some outlets are reporting, oh, dining's going to reopen on the 12th. No, that's not set in stone. Uh, They're going to look at these things and see, and and the, the end date of any of this is so nebulous right now because, again, if you're an athlete, you have to weigh the advantages and disadvantages and how afraid are you of getting COVID-19? Some guys are fearless. Some guys are realistic about it. Yeah, no question. In fact, I was watching the news. Uh, you have two sides, one who want it open and another side, let's be careful. And we're always going to have those two sides. Uh, yeah. The good cops and bad cops. That's why we have these things. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm not sure where I sit. As long as it's a good decision, I'll abide by it. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, I kind of wanted to break some news here, although it's kind of broken down on our website. Uh, Javier Morales did a story on Jay Gonzalez. Uh, Jay Gonzalez, uh, a frequent guest on my show with the Sugar Skulls. He was the president the last few months, maybe a year, almost a year. Uh, he's no longer the president of the Sugar Skulls. So uh, me looking for a co-host, uh, I found my co-host in Jay Gonzalez. So Jay Gonzalez will be my co-host beginning Friday. Oh, eye on the ball. Breaking news, indeed. Yeah. So Jay, who's uh, been in a native Tucson, but who's been in the business of media for most of his adult career um, or life, uh, that will will join forces here and and do eye on the ball beginning Friday with our number of contacts. We should have a fun time. Maybe we'll argue a little about topics. Maybe we won't, uh, but we should have some continuing good guests um, and interviews for the people. See how it goes. See how it goes. And then we'll have you. We'll have you Monday through Friday, uh, Thursday. There you go. Steve, I'm really interested to see how that's going to go. And you know what? I think a little conflict is not only good radio, but it's just good for the soul. You have to have somebody who pushes back against you a little bit here and there. Yes, it does. As long as you're not married to them, that's good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got that. No, no, I don't. I agree with it. It's it's very good uh, radio, uh, especially if you if you're sincere in what you're saying and what you're arguing. No question. So that'll start uh, Friday night. I know he's excited. Uh, he has a lot of other things in the frying pan, or what, uh, how how's that phrase? He's going on doing other things, and I said, you know what? It might be good to have him as a, as a sidekick. Uh, as a uh, partner here, and uh, we'll see how we do. Because there's only two really sports talk shows now. One of ours is, is, is this one, and the 1290 group uh, uh, from 3 to 6. So we'll see what happens. Well, you know what, Steve? The best part about this is you know you continue to find the stories. You continue to tell the stories. You interview the people who were there, and I think that that is a lot of Tucson does love its history, and Tucson is, you know, one of those communities that they have a proud history, and you keep telling that story. Yeah, well, I try to. I try to. And then try to kind of get through the shows like this with you at the end when I'm running out of things to talk about. But, Jay, that'll help me with you, and then we can kind of, you know, talk about it in three three different ways, three different ideas, and uh, looking forward to it. And one more show tomorrow, I'll have Mike Fader on, maybe Matt Moreno talk about recruiting and then get with it on May 1st for the rest of the summer and maybe beyond. We'll see I, what happens. I can't believe we're already to May either. That's crazy to me. I know. 
It's gone real quick, real quick here. Well, Tom, thanks a bunch. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds Appreciate good, it. Steve. Here on ten thirty, the voice. All right, thank you, Tom.